1: On a Friday morning, and we've got to take you more than five minutes as uh, we get chores done this morning here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. Bob and Jill with you this morning. Lots of things to talk about. The cheese makers, maple syrup producers, more money coming uh, out to farmers, processor, but not from the government. We'll talk about that as well. Markets will be closed on Monday, Memorial Day, and uh, our young ladies here in the farm department are sleeping in, so... They said, I don't want to get up on Memorial Day and do a farm show. (laughs) So... We won't be here on Monday, I guess, or they won't be here on Monday. I'm never here on Monday, but uh, they won't be here on Monday. They're taking the day off and celebrate that with their kids, which is a good thing. And you're getting ready for a wedding, too, aren't you, Jill? Next week. Yes, I am. All right. your daughter's getting married? Nicole is getting married. All right. Well, good for her. That's a good thing. So uh, she'll be, Jill will be taking a day or two off in the next week or two as well to get to her daughter's wedding. You got to, what, you got to. Fancy new Carhartt's wedding dress?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm not going to wear boots to this wedding, though. You're not? No. Holy I actually, Six inch
1: I, bike heels or what? <laughs> yeah, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but I know it'll be a fun wedding and uh, enjoy it. Hey, I want to talk about you yesterday, and you've done it a couple times now, with uh, one of the first summer interns we ever had here in the farm department, Pam Sells, now Pam Sells probably, down there in the uh, Maryland-Humbert area, uh, her dairy farm, she and Scott, of course, milking cows down there for so long before that with her dad, John, and uncle, and but uh, she is really, really involved in education. Tell us what she's done.
0: She's part of the Adopt a Cow program Where students can adopt a cow. They go into the classrooms. Classroom teachers can adopt a cow, and the students get a whole curriculum related to the cow, from science to math to reading to social studies that is provided to them in their classroom that's related to this calf that's born in September.
1: Now, the calf is actually on the school grounds, or is it at the farm, or where is the calf? It's
0: at the farm. Okay. But the students get to name the calf. And then they watch it grow. And the last, I did it this Thursday and I did it the Thursday before where I was a part of the station. And the students come to me and I talk to them about that calf and it's how it grows, the size it is now, how old it is. And they actually get to see the calf. And we're in the uh, maternity barn, so they get to see cows that are waiting to calve also. So they get to see a cow before it calves and just... Some of the equipment that they use. Mm-hmm. And, and this was
1: multiple school districts. What, Chippewa Falls was there yesterday, yeah, right?
0: We had Chippewa Falls second graders there yesterday. Last week we had Whitehall third graders and Osseo fourth graders.
1: Wow, that's great. Uh, but
0: that's... they also talked about they made a connection and used the technology. They had people in Florida, Georgia, 1,500 different people making contact with this Adopt a Calf program and giving feedback and learning from the farmer.
1: Ah, That's great, educating those kids at a young age. And uh, Pam, is, uh, well, she was one of the founders of PDPW. She's been very proactive in the dairy industry, obviously learned well from her dad, John, who was the uh, president of National Holstein, and among others, I always marveled at John Sells, her dad. I think he told me I've visited with him many times before we lost him, unfortunately, but I think he told me he was a chemical engineer or something like that. And then he came back to be a dairy farmer and uh, so meticulous with his breeding program and so uh, educational in everybody he dealt with. So the, the tradition continues there. It sells Prawley Farm down there in Humber. Good job, uh, Pam and, and Scott. And uh, this is a program that continues every year. But the thing I like about it is the teachers actually get a curriculum talking about the calves so the kids are learning that way
0: yeah and the connection the technology this is one place that i feel like technology has really been big yeah the teachers can reach back and make those connections and yesterday with the second graders and the second grade teachers i think those teachers had the biggest smiles on their faces that i've ever seen because they experienced the farm and there are so Mm -hmm. few farm kids that are in any classroom anymore that even have a clue of what really goes on.
1: Yeah, good program. That is for sure. And uh, Jill had a chance to talk with the teacher and Pam, so we'll get more information on that in the days to come and what that program is and how important it is. But uh, important, too, is the weather. We'll look at that next. And yeah, had weather this morning on Wax, brought to you by Marquardt Motors. And don't forget, if you schedule your 5,000-mile maintenance visit after 3.30 p.m., you receive $5 off that visit. Schedule yours at MarquartMotors.com. Sunny today, 76. It should be a dandy, but don't get excited and get out there and start cutting hay because tomorrow it's going to rain. 77, partly cloudy on Sunday and 85. Rain again on Monday and probably Tuesday. Looks like maybe Wednesday you start cutting hay. Partly cloudy down in the 60s, 70 on Thursday and partly cloudy skies. It's 42 right now here in the old player Chippewa Falls area. A little fog in some places too, so be careful of that this morning. Hey, it's five o'clock, actually a minute after. This is 104.5 FM W A X X. So Claire, how
2: about some news? NBC News Radio, I'm Trey Thomas. Texas Governor Greg Abbott will no longer appear at the annual NRA convention this weekend in Houston. It's taking place despite pressure from some to cancel the event just days after the murders of 19 children and two teachers inside a Texas elementary school. A spokesperson for Abbott says he will now deliver pre-recorded video remarks instead of appearing in person. At least four people are dead and two more are injured after a home exploded in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Mark Mayfield with more. Pottstown Borough Manager Justin Keller confirmed
3: the news late Thursday evening, saying two other people are possibly unaccounted for. Images show houses completely leveled with debris covering the street. WGAL-TV reports that 60 people have been displaced from their homes because of the blast. Pottstown is located
2: about 40 miles
3: outside of Philadelphia.
2: Yeah. I'm Mark Mayfield. The CDC is confirming nine monkeypox cases in seven states now. Cases have been found in New York, Massachusetts, Florida, Utah, Washington, California, and Virginia. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says all nine cases are among gay and bisexual men. Monkeypox belongs to the same virus family as smallpox, but is a much milder illness. The Justice Department will not be bringing charges against two former FBI agents accused of failing to correctly investigate USA Gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser. A report done by the Justice Department found failures by the FBI to investigate complaints from gymnasts about sexual abuse committed by Nasser. You're listening to NBC News Radio.
4: Keep it at rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report.
1: Yeah, probably not good hay and weather until about, oh, maybe next Tuesday afternoon into Wednesday. Today it's going to be sunny in 76, so it uh, looks like it's going to be good hay and weather today. But then by tomorrow we're going to get rain. 77, 85 on Sunday, partly cloudy. Then Monday and Tuesday, rain hot. 90 on Monday, 80 on Tuesday, partly cloudy Wednesday and Thursday. It's going to cool off upper 60s on Wednesday, seventy. On Thursday, and uh, hay's not quite ready yet anyway. Jerry Clark out in Chippewa County, the, who is a good friend of ours. Of course, we got to get Jerry back in the program. Since COVID, I think we can probably get him back in here. But uh, Jerry was out walking a couple fields in Boyd on the Dirks farm. 217 is the relative forage quality. Of that hay, 19 inches tall. Out in Tilden on the Socorro farm, 200 relative forage quality, 23 inches tall. So, Fran Sikora won't have to make hay for a day or two, but I'm sure she's getting the haybine ready to go. So, again, 23 inches tall in Tilden, 19 inches tall in the Boyd area as far as that alfalfa is concerned. But uh, Rice Lake and Medford, 43 degrees. Wausau at 52 this morning. Marshfield, 50, 51 on the cross. Toma down at 50 degrees, Green Bay 54, Madison Sun Prairie 55, Milwaukee at 51, here in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls area. A little cool, and you said a little fog out there too this morning, huh?
0: It was pretty foggy on the way in.
1: All right, so be careful of that. Again, 42 degrees right here. Farm markets are brought to
5: you by Rural Mutual Insurance.
4: Rural Mutual
6: Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong.
5: You may know
3: Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer. But did you know they also offer competitive home, auto, business, and life insurance? They make it convenient to bundle your insurance while saving you time and money. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn
4: more. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report.
1: Once again, Rural Mutual Insurance bringing us to markets on a Friday morning as we're eight minutes after five o'clock. And Jill, as we're getting to the end of the week, and again, check ahead with your sale barn, your local sale barn as far as Monday activities. But I know... Board of Trade and uh, Merck, things like that, they will be closed on Monday. So uh, what do we got for livestock numbers this morning?
0: Choice-fed beef steers are 136 to 149, with mixed at 70 to 135. Choice-fed beef heifers are 138 to 143.5, with mixed at 116 to 137. Choice-fed Holstein steers are 122 to 131, with selects at 90 to 121. Cows are 64 to 96.5. Bulls are 64 to 117. Butcher hogs are 60 to 93, with sows 40 to 56, boars 21 to 27. New crop market lambs are 185 to 227.5, with feeder lambs at 150 to 275. And the ewes are at $85 to 132.5, small goats are 50 to 225 dollars medium goats are 150 to 260 dollars large goats are 215 to 420 dollars
1: very good and at the mercantile exchange livestock futures are well let's call them mixed uh, that's what live cattle June live cattle closed one thirty two forty up a dime. August one thirty two sixty up seven. October one thirty eight seventeen down two. And December live cattle one forty three eighty two down a dime. Feeder cattle were lower across the board. We got the August contract one sixty six sixty seven down a dollar twenty seven. September one sixty nine seventy two down a dollar thirty two. October one seventy two fifty five. Down a dollar ten in November at one seventy four seventy, down eighty seven. Hog prices were higher yesterday. June uh, La, lean contract hogs one eleven ten, up two oh five. July hogs one eleven eighty two, that was up three eighty seven. August at one ten twelve, up two forty two, and October at ninety four thirty, that was up two oh two. The board of trade uh, kind of mixed yesterday. Corn was down on this China Brazil deal, and reportedly that's a pretty big deal. As far as the amount is concerned, beans were higher as meal and oil are up, and also these diesel fuel prices demand, biodiesel also up. And uh, again, those prices uh, higher. But uh, overnight, how'd they do? July corn up a fraction overnight, seven sixty-five this morning. The oats down a nickel at six eighty. July wheat up two at eleven forty-five. Soybeans for July, yeah, they were up nice yesterday and up two to three cents this morning. July beans sitting at seventeen twenty-nine a bushel. Soybean meal down twenty cents overnight at four hundred twenty-eight dollars a ton. Barrel cheese down a cent and a half, 228 and a half, blocks down two at 228, butter down a half at 289, class three mixed, May up eight at 2519, June up a nickel at 2425, July down eight at 2437, August down two at 2418, and September was unchanged at 2394. We look at the markets, and the markets brought to you this morning by Rural Mutual Insurance, just as they are every
4: morning agriculture. It's the Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report.
7: It's time again for our Alcivia Co-op Talk, a regular feature that helps you better understand the depth of resources available through Alcivia Cooperative. All together now, you can find more at alcivia.com. Happy today to be joined by their Chief Operating Officer. That's Rodney Balvich. Rod, let's talk just a little bit about the conversations going on these days. Boy, it is a busy time for all of Wisconsin agriculture. How are you keeping up?
3: Well, we're certainly trying to meet the needs of our producer members. And, uh, today that can, that can vary from, uh, staffing challenges to parts challenges as we have breakdowns with our field application equipment, making sure that we've got the parts that to make those repairs to get back at it and make sure that the product is getting on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that is trucks or the field application equipment, that's certainly something that we were well aware of over the winter and tried their best to do preventative maintenance on those machines and uh, even still the best preventative maintenance plan still tends to have breakdowns from time to time and uh, we're trying to minimize that as much as we can but it's certainly something that's front and center on our minds as we go to the field every morning.
7: And I bet there's just a bunch of farmers nodding their heads in agreement on that. Let me ask you, Rodney, before we had the pandemic, there were many agribusinesses, retailers, uh, many people in manufacturing that had uh, that just-in-time attitude about uh, bringing in supplies. Nobody really had a lot on hand because the systems were working to bring it in just when you needed it. Has that at all changed at all, Civia, your perspective, how you approach things, share with me that.
3: Well, our perspective has changed. Some we're trying to be as proactive as we can, as we always have been. But as we look at the changing in technologies, making sure that we have enough parts on hand, if you will, that are wear parts. But then making sure that we're in communication with our suppliers, vendors, making sure that they have what we need as as quickly as possible to get us back up and running and it's been a real challenge for them as well obviously they're they're used to having their inventory kind of at the ready if you will and and it's been a challenge for them no different than the auto industry whether it's uh tractors and combines and planters or the uh, pickups that we all rely on it's been a it's certainly been a challenge these last couple years
7: if you're just joining us, welcome to Civia Co-op Talk. Rodney Bolvich is along with us, Chief Operating Officer for Alcivia. You know, I can't help but imagine what your spreadsheet looks like these days, Rod. You know, you are now watching your inventory, those trucks, those spreaders, Even those parts, you've got so many more locations that you're trying to manage and monitor. I think that would be a challenge, but also a benefit when it comes to available resources, making sure you've got places to put things when they show up. It's got to have been an interesting dynamic you've worked through.
3: Yes, but at the same time, we have all of the same people or many of the same people and overseeing those locations, so it's more locations for us but the staff is still in those places. So it's really a a continuing of what the legacy co-ops had before and how we can improve on that. And it has been a very good thing from a resource standpoint, being able to shift our resources when there's been, you know, if you have a spare truck in the fleet, where that can go, and if there is a breakdown, how you can pivot and make those changes and still meet the needs of the, the customer base across our whole footprint.
7: Yeah, this is not the time when we want anybody to stop. But I am curious though, Rodney, what do you look forward to this summer? Uh like I said, trying to keep those conversations going between growers, between locations. Uh that is critical to the health and vibrancy of Alcivia co op. You got any ideas on how those get togethers or activities are going to look like this summer?
3: Yeah, we're looking forward to getting back to what we've known in the for years having the plot days or field days, if you will, being able to have our customer appreciation events and really bring our customers together with our sales folks and everyone else on the staff just to make sure that we're all communicating and showing the appreciation and having that human touch that's important to all of us. That's certainly been a challenge as we've worked through the times.
7: So they should be talking with their field representatives, or I suppose you'll make that available on the website through social media, et cetera, huh?
3: Absolutely. You can always check our website at com or our Facebook page. The uh, marketing division does a very, very good job of keeping us all up to date on that. We're seeing a lot of things that we can get out very quickly on our website to uh, a wide variety of folks Yeah, between the website and Facebook. the The social media has been Certainly a powerful tool to get messages out sooner than later.
7: Yes, exactly. And it's not just about, like you said, conducting business. It's also about making sure people are aware of changing conditions, be it the weather, be it the field, be it the crop. And he is their chief operating officer, so he wants to know about it all. Rodney Balvich, along with us today on our Allcivia Co-op Talk. And he, like he said, looking forward to getting back together as member patrons of AllCivia, sharing those resources, sharing those stories, and getting reacquainted. Please do follow along allcivia.com or as he said through their social media channels. Rod Bolvich, he is the chief operating officer for AllCivia, all together now on your AllCivia Co op Talk.
4: The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. We're
1: going to get an update on the farming industry short course. Pam's going to rejoin us here in a couple of moments, but Joe, what else is going on?
0: The Dairy Business Alliance Innovation Alliance, a partnership between the Wisconsin Cheesemakers and the Center for Dairy Research, is handing out $1.7 million in grants to dairy business, businesses and cooperatives to help those groups, groups diversify add value to their products, expand their dairy exports, and provide more on-farm processing. Receiving those grants from our area are Hanson's Sugar Shack near Marshfield, Knowlton House Distillery in Junction City, Marika Marketing LLC, and Holland's Family Cheese LLC of Thorpe, and Oxheart Farm of LLC from Hager City. Some of those grants amount to as much as $50,000. Speaking of those Wisconsin cheesemakers, that group recently voted their board of directors. Re-elected president of the group was Steve Beckel of O'Galley Cheese near Durand. Also serving on the cheesemakers board is Ken Hyman of the Nasonville Dairy in Marshfield. Ken serves as board treasurer.
1: All right, and uh, we'll talk more. We'll talk maple syrup producers, also busy around Wisconsin and nationally for that matter. But uh, coming up, we're going to get more, as we said, on what's going on with the Farm and Industry Short Course
4: here on WAX. WAX 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. One of the most talked about and maybe controversial
1: issues in Wisconsin, as far as the University of Wisconsin concerned, the Farm and Industry Short Course. Bob Boesel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn, and of course... We've got uh, young people and older people that have been going to that program for over 100 years. And all of a sudden, some drastic changes. And Pam, what is the latest?
7: It's a continuing conversation, Bob, that we are going to be monitoring for you here at the Midwest Farm Report. Uh, There's a lot of different groups engaged in the conversation. And they're still obviously inviting alumni, uh, scholarship people to continue the conversation. In studio with me was Doug Reinemann, Associate Dean of Extension on the University of Wisconsin campus that's kind of overseeing the Farm and Industry Short Course and its inertia to change. And then Jennifer Blazik, she is the Director of the Farm and Industry Short Course. Now there's been uh, Zoom campaigns, there's been face-to-face meetings to take a look at what's going to happen to Farm and Industry Short Course going forward. What we know right now is they are looking to move from accredited program to a non-credit program. Also potentially uh, removing the residential element on campus. But as I said, that's all uh, yet to be finally determined. I asked Doug Reinemann to explain where we stand and what he envisions Farm and Industry Short Course must address.
8: What we're doing is actually uh, going back in a certain way to the way that Short Course used to be. So uh, there are many of our faculty in the College of Ag, myself included, that, uh, are ex- funded by the Division of Extension. So we are extension specialists. And if you look over the history of the short course, the vast majority of that instruction has been done by our extension faculty. And, uh, in, so, that's a form, you know, the extension faculty, in addition to the short course, do a lot of other outreach, a lot of other extension activities. So, it looks more like what you, you know, would see in an extension program than what you'd see in an undergraduate instruction in a, in a classroom, uh, you know, course that, that, uh, uh fulfills one of our degree requirements.
7: Jennifer, tell me a little bit about the class, the students that you see in class today. I want people to understand very clearly what Farm and Industry Short Courses uh, engaging audience looks like. Tell me a little bit about them.
9: Yeah, so it's changed over the years from some of when our alumni went through. Obviously, we have women in the program now. And uh, this year, we had probably the biggest class of women um, as far as percentages. Uh, it's also it's still very traditional, you know, farm kids, if you will. the They're coming from a farm. They have a family farm. But more and more, especially in my four years um, in my role, is I've been seeing a lot more students who are non-traditional, I call them. So they're not from a farm. They're interested in agriculture. They want to either work on a farm or go into agribusiness. And so you're seeing more and more that that shift is changing, which is very similar to the demographic shift in in the farming community, too, right? You're seeing having there are less farmers, less farm kids. So we're seeing more non-traditional. It's just that they still have either friends or family members who went through FISC or knew someone who went through FISC, so that's how entering the program
7: and to a large extent that's how you've been recruiting for years and years and years tell me about the stark differences between how those students interact with one another maybe interact with mom and dad back home versus some of the traditional ways like you said that we had recruited
9: yeah so a lot of times um ffa is a big recruiter for us you know a lot of the um FFA advisors, the ag teachers, they already know about FIS, so they're sending a lot of students. Um, what's really interesting is, uh, the non traditional students, um, they are, this year I would say we had a better job of them integrating into the community, um, because a lot of times, you know, in the hallway or in the rooms or when they're doing social activities, it's all farming talk, right? Like favorite tractors, mm-hmm. color tractors, mm-hmm. you know, what's the n- newest uh, bulls that they're looking at breeding? And so a lot of non traditional students have trouble entering those conversations mm-hmm. because they aren't, you know, that's not their traditional lingo that they end comfort with. So there's a little bit of that uh, community that it's playing to helping making sure both communities feel as part of one big community when they're here on, on campus. And that takes a little time. It also takes friendships. That helps, you know, having some of our amba- FISC ambassadors, the student ambassadors, kind of helping manage those relationships. But also it's the, like you said, the marketing is where are those students located. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. coming through FFA. Some are, but you know more and more now but not traditionally and then the farm shows they're not at the farm shows like farm tech days and wps farm show so it's a lot of you know finding going through schools um, classroom visits that uh, needs to get those students especially the non-traditional students who are not coming from traditional pathways in agriculture
7: well and to that point we have to realize that there are some expectations of fisk as a standalone program fisk has to fund itself essentially doug talk to me a little bit you've got in your mind if not on paper if not as part of an operating document some specific goals that farm and industry short course must meet uh, just because it was here 100 years ago does not mean it's going to be here 100 years from now
8: well that's uh you know the the course the short course has always been self-supporting through tuition and so there's Part part of the you know the cost of of coming to the program is tuition, which covers the instructional component, and then there's a there's a housing cost, and and so um, it's always been the case, as with all of our programs, that uh, we need to cover our costs through tuition, and and housing costs need to be covered, the full cost need to be covered. There's so that the, you know there's I've heard people have some sort of an idea like certain things are subsidized well nothing is really subsidized right we 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 have to we survive on on tuition and and housing fees and uh so that's you know that's the sort of the economic side of things and uh, we have to figure out a model for the number of students you know can we can we run this type of program with that number of students and there are certain costs required to run uh, certain types of programs
7: now i had heard a hundred students something like that would be a, a good ideal to short to shoot for we are going to go through some growth changes here explain for people in clear understandable language 2022 is going to look very different than maybe 2023 certainly than 2021 explain that doug
8: So, 2021 uh, was was basically the old model, and uh, so we had. I'm turning looking at Jennifer here. Thirty some students,
5: thirty five students, (laughs) uh, you know,
8: tuition paying students, and so um, uh, in in the coming year, 2022. Uh, we we are having a very limited number of offerings, which means that of course our tuition dollars are are going de- will likely go down considerably. There are still some offerings, and Jennifer can talk about that. Uh, but also, you know, our costs are going down because we had there was a lot of cost for instructors, and that's one of the things that sort of changed with FISC over the time is that, uh, like I said before. Traditionally, a lot of the instruction, in fact, most of the instruction was done by extension faculty, and the instructions has sort of moved to academic staff and uh, external uh, instructors, and there's a cost to that. So the cost of the program was actually sort of going up if you look at it that way. So, you know, we we think, you know, we can survive this coming year uh, with our, you know, reduced income because we're going to have reduced costs. But again, in 2023, whatever we roll out in 2023 uh, is going to have to carry its weight in terms of the cost of the program. And, you know, we kind of anticipate that 2023 might be a building year, we might not get our full enrollment. And i we're probably going to take us a while to kind of build up to a, a steady state enrollment number and you know that is actually a, a cost that the college has is, is
1: been willing to bear. And again an update on the farm and industry short course from the folks that uh, lead that course. Pam had a chance to visit with them and it's uh, not a done deal yet as far as I mean they're pretty well on their path to the future of the farm and industry short course whatever it may be but again changes obviously in the wind and already are apparent in the farm and industry short course like it or not
4: Five thirty in the morning morgan's here we'll get some news up for those who work in acres not in hours wax 104.5 and the midwest farm report 29 minutes before six o'clock you get 42 degrees sunny
1: 76 today what a beautiful day I don't know how Morgan's going to enjoy it out in her garden or sunbathing. Uh, what are you going to do?
10: I haven't gotten the bikini out yet. I like to garden <laughs> in my boots. I, I keep uh, my arms pretty covered when I'm in the dirt. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, that's for sure. <laughs> Trying to get some flowers in the ground is what I'm doing. I know it. Yeah. Uh,
1: but uh, where they are in the ground, my lilacs have been in full bloom. Don't so. those smell great this oh, time of year? Really oh, it nice. really is that. nice. Well, what's going on on this Friday?
10: With some 715 Newsroom coverage, we'll start with headlines that take us to another part of the state, but a fire in... In a grain dryer in southern Wisconsin did over eight hundred thousand dollars in damage. That broke out in Evansville just after five fifteen Wednesday afternoon, and the department there said sixteen agencies had to be called in to fight the fire just because of its size. The fire department saying it did about eight hundred fifty thousand dollars total damage. In other headlines in La Crosse, it was a house fire that had crews on the scene in the city's downtown. Some family pets did not make it out of that, though no people were hurt in that fire. Seven fire trucks, 18 on the scene there, and no word on the cause behind that. And we looked at other headlines. You may have been hearing about that baby formula shortage across the country. Here in our state, Wisconsin's governor now issuing an executive order that he hopes will help with the nation's months-long baby formula shortage. With John DeMaster, we have 715 Newsroom coverage here.
3: Governor Tony Evers yesterday signed an executive order against price gouging on formula. His order applies to stores, not people that are selling formula over the Internet. The governor said that stores looking to take advantage of vulnerable families during the formula shortage will not be tolerated. I'm John DeMaster.
10: Well, if you like scavenger hunts, or maybe uh, the kids make you a little nutty this weekend, you can send them on a mission. Those Badger helmets are hidden in Eau Claire. The university said they're somewhere in Carson Park, Owen Park, Horton Park, Mitcher Park, and Mount Simon. Nobody's saying just how many they'd be hunting for. There are 100 hidden across the state. Each of those has a code for a prize. And we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. The idea behind that is that it's marking 100 days until the beginning of the new Badger football season. And ahead of this Memorial Day, we have parade information as well. Bob, I know you like a parade. Owen Park, back with the Classic Op Parade this weekend. That'll be on Monday, of course. And we salute and thank all of our troops, veterans, and families. I'm Morgan McCarthy, and know you are up to date on Wax 104.5.
1: Yeah, parade will start about 9 o'clock in Eau Claire. I know other folks will have uh, different parades, but uh, I went out looking for a helmet yesterday. I left here about a little after 6, and it was fun as and to see people out and standing there talking to their neighbors again. You know, they yeah. haven't done that in a couple of years, and they were talking to their neighbors, and the kids were looking for, I went down to Mitcher Park, a little park here in Eau Claire, and I didn't go to Carson Park. Uh, so they said, oh, I just came from Carson Park. What a zoo!
10: is what a
1: great outreach for the mm-hmm. university
10: absolutely getting people on their feet yep. again and you saw you said people are huddled up talking and if uh. you're headed their way i have a pretty good idea what they were talking about <laughs> watch out for that guy <laughs> that's right? right that's right <laughs> have a good memorial day you too my friend there she goes
1: that's morgan mccarthy in the newsroom let's get over to skyborne 13 and find out about our memorial day weather mike dander is with us morning mike good morning bob well today Mike tease a few people into cutting, hey, but not a good idea until maybe about next Wednesday, huh?
5: Right. Today will be an absolutely beautiful day, but it takes more than one day to to cut hay. So uh, we'll have uh, mainly sunny conditions and temperatures get into the mid-70s and even clear into tonight as we dip to the low 50s. Now, tomorrow, we'll start to see some clouds move in through the overnight, and that's going to lead to a few chances at some showers and even potentially a thunderstorm, uh, mostly the mid-morning into the early afternoon. Otherwise, partly sunny and slightly warmer into the upper 70s for our highs, but it could be pretty breezy, too, with winds gusting upwards of 30 miles per hour at times. And we'll have some clouds lingering into Saturday night and uh, even into Sunday with partly sunny conditions, but this is when we really start to warm up. Now, we will have a chance at some showers and thunderstorms on Sunday as well, but our highs get into the upper 80s, and uh, those chances for showers linger into Sunday night. Now, going into the actual Memorial Day holiday, starting off mainly sunny and mostly dry, and that's going to allow our temperatures to soar into the low 90s potentially. Then we have a chance at more showers and thunderstorms later uh, in the day, and by Monday night, we'll be back into the upper 60s for our lows, otherwise partly cloudy, and then more chances for showers yet again on Tuesday, even some more thunderstorms, but this is going to drive down our temperatures, mostly into the mid-80s for our highs on Tuesday. Even into the mid 70s to uh, potentially low 70s for our highs on Wednesday. And by uh, Thursday of next week, looks like we'll be moderating back to around that 70 degree mark with uh, sunny conditions out there. Otherwise, we've got some parts of, uh, or excuse me, some patchy fog out there and uh, sunny conditions with a temperature of 40 degrees in Eau Claire.
1: Ah, nice morning out there, beautiful day. Hey, Mike, you have a good weekend. Thanks, you too. Enjoy the holiday. We certainly will. And again, thank you for your service as a Marine. Thank you, Bob. There he goes. Mike uh, Dandry over there. Yeah, he was an active-duty Marine for four years. An MP, one of those guys you never wanted to see if you're in the military, that's for sure. But Mike over in the weather room, and again, our weather on wax. Brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean of the nominee. Chippewa Valley Bean is excited to welcome spring and all the opportunity it brings. And as you think about what you're planting in your fields, Chippewa Valley Bean wants you to consider growing a crop of kidney beans. Kidney beans are a great addition to your rotation and bring great value back to your farm. If you're looking for new opportunities for your farm, give their agronomist, Ben, a call at 715-556-1930. That's 715-556-1930. Or visit them at cvbean.com.
4: The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 22 minutes before
1: 6 o'clock and we'll have market. Brent is here on our Friday morning program covering the crops with Winfield United Division, the Ag Division of Land O'Lakes. So we'll get an update from Brent on what he's seen out there. But uh, maple syrup producers, they've been busy. Most maple syrup producers
0: around the state say they had a pretty good season this spring. Earlier this month, producers celebrated their industry and their year at the annual meeting and judging contest. At that contest, nine of the 48 entries had a perfect score. From our area, that included S&S Sugarbush of Ellsworth, Chippewa View Maple of Durand, Sugar Johns of Kadat, Hanson Sugar Shack near Marshfield. Rankings are based on sugar content of the Syrup, color flavor clarity the retail container and labeling the next big event for the maple syrup producers will be at the international maple conference at the lacrosse center in lacrosse at the end of october
1: oh that is a big one again the international maple information conference that'll be a big one down there in lacrosse in april all right we've got uh markets to come up with and uh talking about hay and we'll Talk about uh, some of the field observations coming up. We'll tell you about that.
2: Loyal, Wisconsin is ready for a party in July. Farm Tech Fest is the newest addition to Clark County Farm Technology Days. Madison County, Sawyer Brown, and featuring Joe Nichols. Camping, food, and fun Wednesday night, July 13th, just south of Loyal. Tickets are on sale now at farmtechfest.com. That's farmtechfest.com. Sponsored by Rooney Grain, Partners Bank, Wax Radio, Zastro the Beer Man, Forward Insurance, Munson Bridge Winery, Colby Chrysler,
9: RC Builders, Rural Mutual Insurance.
1: We will get to markets in a moment, but again, with that weather forecast, kind of off and on rain the next few days, maybe straightening out a little bit so we get more than one day without rain about next Wednesday into next Thursday. But again, no promises. Again, if you're uh, wondering about the alfalfa, we talked about uh, Richard Holupka over in central Wisconsin, not ready over there yet. And the same story can be said in Chippewa County. Jerry Clark was out and about in the Boyd area at the Dirks Farm yesterday 217 relative forage quality, 19 inches tall. And in Tilden, uh, the Socorro Farm, where Fran's getting ready to bale hay, 200 relative forage quality, and the hay is 23 inches tall. And again, as Dan Undersander says, uh, 27, 28 inches is where you want it to start knocking it down. So uh day or two, maybe with this heat and the moisture we've had, it's going to shoot up. So by about next Wednesday, it should be more than ready.
4: Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report.
1: And one of the first dairy breakfasts, if not the first, will be a week from today. The Marshfield Area Chamber of Commerce and Industry. A chamber of commerce that really appreciates the agriculture industry in central Wisconsin. And that chamber is putting on their dairy breakfast again this year. Plus all the other activities, or a lot of the other activities, during Dairy Fest weekend in Marshfield. So kudos to the Marshfield area of Chamber of Commerce and Industry. June 3rd over there at the fairgrounds. Also, the Wisconsin Farmer Union looking for some help. They're currently hiring a government relations director, a person that works with uh, rural organizers. They're actual rural organizers themselves to go out and uh, work on policy development with the farmers membership and things like that, and the summer staff, and of course, uh, very active up at Camp Kenwood. So if you're interested in uh, government relations work or being a rural organizer in various counties around uh, the state for the Wisconsin Farmers Union, contact them at uh, the Wisconsin Farmers Union. Contact Danielle Envik, and Danielle's at 715 471 We're going to get caught up with the markets next, right here on WAX. But again, not far away, fun in Clark County. Ready for a fun night of country music? Loyal, Wisconsin is Farm Tech Fest is coming, hosted by Rail Acres and Rustic Occasion just south of Loyal on Wednesday night, July 13th. Farm Tech Fest featuring Madison County, Sawyer Brown and Joe Nichols. On-site camping is also available, so get your tickets now at FarmTechFest.com Sponsored by Partners Bank, Rooney Grain, Wax Radio, Zastro the Beer Man, Forward Insurance, Munson Bridge Winery, Colby Chrysler, RZ Builders, and Rural Mutual Insurance.
4: Keeping it at rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report.
0: It's 13 minutes before 6 o'clock. 40 degrees out there and a bit foggy, so slow down and turn on your lights. We're going to be going to Jim Lindsay and hearing from Equity Altoona.
11: Choice Beasters, Nevers, $1.15 to $1.38. Choice Dairy cross steers and heffers $1.10 to $1.35. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers dollar twenty-five to a dollar thirty-three. We had the top of a dollar thirty-four. Choice holstein steers dollar ten to a dollar twenty-four. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and dollar nine and down. Top twenty percent of the call cows sold from seventy-eight to eighty-six. We had a top of ninety. Sixty percent of the cows sold from fifty-seven to seventy-seven. The bottom twenty percent of the cows sold from fifty-six and down. Cow bulls sold from $70 to $1. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up whole steam bull calves sold from $50 to $150 per head. Light and pork quality calves sold from $50 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $100 to $175 per head. Here are prices for fancy vaccinated feeder cattle from our last sale, which was held here on May 20th. Three to 600-pound beef steers, $1.20 to $1.90. Six to 900-pound beef steers, $1.15 to $1.87. Three to six hundred pound beef heifers a dollar fifteen to a dollar seventy, six to nine hundred pound beef heifers a dollar ten to a dollar eight, three to six hundred pound holstein steers ninety to a dollar forty-four, six to nine hundred pound holstein steers eighty to a dollar twenty. We're now selling organic cattle on Tuesdays at the Altoona Market. Please have all cattle and appropriate paperwork to the barn by 11 a.m. the day of sale. Our next special feeder sale is Friday, June 3rd. All feeder sales are live on CattleUSA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on CattleUSA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715 835-3104. Eight three five three one zero four To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day.
1: More markets. Let's get over to Equity Stratford. Jerry Fitzgerald is with us. Good morning, Jerry. Enjoying the sun already this morning? Well, but good morning, too, Bob. Yes, we
6: are. We've got be, to be a little careful. We don't want to get sun, uh, sunstroke right away here. No, so we that
1: kinda is all. Kinda... No. no, so we'll Oops. keep you inside doing the markets. Wrap up the week for us, if you would.
6: I'll do that, Bob. Thank you. And good morning, everyone. A summary from yesterday, Thursday, and this past week here at Equity Stratford. We'll uh, start out with the fed cattle. Uh, charge grading uh, beef steers and heifers this week. We're selling mostly from uh, $1.17 to $1.38. Charge grading Holstein steers, mostly from $1.12 to $1.22. High-yielding choice, strictly prime Holsteins on the close here at one twenty two to one twenty nine. Select grading cattle under finished cattle, uh, mostly one hundred eight and below. Our market much lower yesterday at the end of the week. Here, high yielding Holstein cows in yesterday's auction were selling from sixty eight to seventy nine. Extreme top on the cows this week at Stratford ninety four and a half on beef on beef cows. Uh, That was on Wednesday's auction. Uh, Most of the cows yesterday were selling between fifty five and sixty seven. Thinner, plainer cows below fifty five on the on the uh, bull trade. Better quality bulls mostly from ninety up to a top of one fourteen. Half market uh, this week, steady-to-week trend on the calves, good quality, 9,230-pound hosting bull calves on yesterday's auction, mostly from 50 to 140. Uh, Earlier in the week, we did see some bull calves up to 155. Heifer calves this week, mostly 30 to 50, a few up to 65 and 70 on Monday's auction. Uh, Beef calves, mostly from 150 to 295, and we did top at those at 340 on Monday. And I just want to take a look at the schedule next week here at Equity Stratford. Of course, Memorial Day we will be closed, and we will reopen on early Tuesday morning. With the uh, Tuesday, we will have of course have the uh, hay and straw bedding auction, uh, market auction, and also baby calves on Tuesday. And our next feeder cattle sale will be Wednesday. So again, uh, folks, I uh, enjoy uh, the Memorial Day weekend, and uh, certainly want to salute all of our all of our veterans, both deceased and living among us, for their great service. So. And uh, Bob, I was going to ask you, too, um, a week from today, uh you going to be over in Marshfield? Or- well, we're going
1: to do the morning show, and then we'll come over after we get off the air. So I'll have breakfast uh, with you a little bit uh, later on in the morning. So uh, we'll be there. Hey, you have a good weekend. You also, Bob, you and Joe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. There we go. Jerry Fitzgerald with the Equity Stratford sale barn. And on the Board of Trade overnight, July corn up a fraction, seven sixty-five. The oats down a nickel at six eighty. Wheat up to eleven forty-five. Soybeans two to three higher at seventeen twenty-nine. Meal down twenty cents at four hundred and twenty-eight dollars a ton. Country elevator prices.
0: Wheat and grain, Chippewa Falls and Connorsville location. Corn's at seven hundred five with soybeans at sixteen seventy-six. Doomer's grain of Holman and Buck Country Arcadia corn is at 726 with soybeans at 1695
1: and at the DTN screen golden plump corn 742 a bushel today at Baldwin and Mondovi 695 on the corn 1659 on the beans Durand 1659 and the beans 690 on the corn Elmwood 695 and 1664 at Fall Creek the corn is at six eighty five, beans 1648 seven dollars a bushel for cornadasio osseo 1663 on the beans elk mound 703 and 1675 Sparta 698 and 1674. Ellsworth 685 on the corn, 1636 on the beans. Ethanol plants. Boycefield 745, Stanley 715. New Richmond corn at 711. Barrel cheese 228 and a half. Blocks 228. Both down a little bit. Butter down a half at 289. May class three up eight, and that's 2519. June up nickel 2425. July down eight at uh, 2437. August down two at 2418. September's unchanged at 2394. Brent joins us
4: next as we cover the crops on Wax. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And
1: Brent Wink is with us on a Friday morning at our Winfield United uh, program covering the crops. Well, you don't, you don't cut hay anyway, do you yourself? Yeah,
12: we oh, actually you? have some dairies, so yep. Oh, good. Alright, so, but you haven't cut it yet, but it's getting no, close. Yeah, it is, so kind of Uh, expanding on your talk a little earlier, but just want to talk this morning about a little cow chow discussion and highlight some points on alfalfa and the harvest. So uh, first off, you know, alfalfa stem fiber produced or the NDF during uh, cool growing conditions actually is a little more highly digestible. So it's ideal for dairy production, for high milk production. Our first crop alfalfa generally provides the highest yield, about 40% of our yield for the year, and actually some of our highest forage digestibility because of that accumulation during the cooler temperatures, we have more highly digestible crop than we do later in the year. Then we really, kind of along your discussion from earlier, we want to be cutting first crop at about 28 inches of height. You get much above that, you start lodging. You're hearing some of those reports of 19 to 23 inches. Our research kind of dictates about an inch per day of growth and every inch accumulates an additional 125 pounds of dry matter the other part uh, plant height largely accounts for growing degree days as plants accumulate heat units and grow faster or slower based on uh, soil and air temperatures so obviously our soils are still very cool this year compared to a 10-year average we're actually tracking almost 50 percent behind from 2021 on growing degree days so our height is obviously behind as well. So while the calendar says we should have been cutting a little while ago, the alfalfa crop is is uh, just fine. Uh, another point I wanted to highlight was do not leave the leaves. You know, the leaves of the alfalfa are 400-plus relative feed value, while the stems are 60 to 70 relative feed value. So if producers are complaining about lower-than-expected quality, it certainly could be a leaf loss situation. You can pull sample samples at the bunker. We've been running these leaf uh, tests for last several years now, and an alfalfa plant or standing in the field, the tonnage is represented by about 50% leaves and 50% stems. Then once we start cutting and merging and all of that is when we can really have a huge impact. So too aggressive with the flails or conditioning is taking leaves off, too aggressive with the merger or the speeds with the merger, or if we're merging and chopping too dry, that big cloud you see rolling across the field <laughs> from the merger or chopper is always leaves, never stems. So make sure that you're doing what you can. Some of our tests, you know, we start at 50-50. We've found some growers that are down to 35% leaves left by time it gets to the bunker. Some of the best dairies we find are still in that maybe 45% leaf to stem ratio. No matter how good we are, we always seem to lose some of them. So uh, definitely another thing to keep uh, a mind of. The other thing is if you've got the Harvextra trait, do not delay cutting on that. Lodging will still occur at the same risk for conventional or Harvextra. So we still want to have our first crop cut at that 28-day interval. Then you can allow some longer interval on the Harvextra trait. Uh, Another uh, point is maybe pulling some tissue samples, looking at crop nutrients in good and bad areas, and determining what you can do for fertilizer out in those fields. Uh, Just a couple last points. Make sure the basics of your phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur are replaced or accounted for on your soil test or with fertilizer applications. Obviously, a year like this, we're we're really, really concerned that uh, producers might just skip their applications of potassium, sulfur, and boron. Uh, obviously, if you've got great fertility already in your soil, you can maybe make some adjustments, but this could have some big consequences for some of the, the uh, growers. The last thing, keep an eye on second crop recovery. When we have delayed temperatures, uh, that sometimes will delay alfalfa weevil activity. So we might find our second crop. Uh, as it starts coming back, starts getting affected with uh, alfalfa weevil. So make sure that we're scouting that and, and seeing if we've got to make an insecticide application or some other applications out there. So uh, so with that, Bob, I hope everyone out there has an awesome Memorial Day weekend. And hopefully a little later in the week, it looks like our window finally to start cutting in that Wednesday to
1: Thursday range. But yeah, and that'll make a lot of people happy, too. And the smell of fresh alfalfa oh, I love nothing it! nothing better. You have a good weekend, too, Brent. You bet. Thanks. There he goes, Brent Wink, on our Covering the Crop program, brought to you by Winfield United.